0: Confidence is something that comes and goes, and the question is, as a Christian, do we have more confidence in our everyday life than someone who's not a Christian? That's the question we will examine today. This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, May 12, 2013. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, We're in the middle of a sermon series that uh, the topics probably seem a little bit random, a little bit, because it says, I need more, and we're talking about, really, from a human perspective, what are some things, every one of us, if we just go look at our lives, we'll say at some point, there's a couple things that are missing, at least from a human perspective, and it might be, I wish I had a little bit more security, I wish I had a a few more faithful friends we talked about last week, that one went a little long, sorry about that, Um, that one went a little bit long, maybe it, it was introspective, I need some more faithful friends, but the, we talked about that, how important it is to have people you can actually share deep things with and it feels like you're growing in a relationship and you're actually going somewhere and you have that support. That's essential and if you don't have that, we said you're absolutely going to sink in this world if you don't have that support. Um, we're going to be talking eventually about uh, I need more money, but today we're talking about confidence. I need more confidence, so I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because if you lack confidence, I think you'd be embarrassed to put your hand up, so it's, it's going to be counterintuitive, but I, I think every one of us, on some level, wishes we had a little bit more confidence. But isn't it isn't it a weird thing? I know I'm the one who asked the question. Like, you can have confidence at some point, and then suddenly it disappears. You can even watch these elite athletes—if you watch sports at all—they have confidence all the way, all the way until uh, hole 17, and then suddenly it just falls apart. You can watch sports stars they um, they're playing basketball or something like that it seems like they'll shoot anywhere as soon as they cross half court and then suddenly they can't hit a shot and they lose their confidence not not all of them uh, but some they lose their confidence and they start to have trepidation or someone who's dancing that would be maybe a more realistic if you start dancing you ever see if they think people are watching them when people aren't watching they're dancing away and then they see it and then suddenly they they start to look awkward and i explain to my kids you just got to dance Uh, So these are all things that are confidence, and you can have confidence in different things, too. It's not always the same thing, is it? So sometimes it's in your abilities. Um, Sometimes it's in data, like if you're going into a procedure and you're like, well, it's not supposed to be a dangerous procedure. Well, how do you know that? Well, you have to go by data that says that this is not, this many people have had this surgery and this is a relatively safe procedure. So you got to put trust in data, or you got to put trust in a surgeon. Um, If you're an endurance athlete or any of you endurance athletes, if you do something, they say there's no magic on race day when it comes to endurance sports because you have to log the miles. And in fact, as you get ready to toe the line, their confidence is not in their natural ability. Their confidence is usually, have I logged the miles or not? Have I done this before and am I confident I'm going to be able to do this again? So confidence is just a weird thing. And the other weird thing about confidence is, I think life would be great if you just had like an even keel confidence. I would settle for like a 7 out of 10. If all my in all things in life I could feel like I'm a 7 out of 10 confidence factor like as a parent, as a uh, a spouse, as a pastor. But that's not how it works, is it? Like some things you're really confident in and some things not so much. Anybody good golfer? I'm a terrible golfer. I've been golfing for years and I'm just awful. And I, this is frustrating. I should be decent golfer. I can hit other things. Um, that sounded funny. Um, but it, I, I, this should go okay. And each time I get up, I'm like, all right, you can do it this time. But my confidence level when I go over the top of a golf ball is about a one. I have no idea where it's going to actually go. It, but other aspects of life, there's more confidence. Uh, what about singing? How many of you are singers? Not a singer. So imagine my horror when I, I can't, I, I'm not tone deaf. I'm more tone impaired. So I can't tell if I'm too high or too low. So imagine this, you're studying to be a pastor and you're like, hey, this is, I signed up to be a preacher, I'm okay with that, hang out with people. They line us up in this music class and I can still picture the exact room, the exact classroom as he goes, oh, we're just going to sing some notes, some solo notes. And all these other guys who grew up as pastor's sons, like, yeah, that's cool. You know, they all just line up, they're like, this is dorky, you know, and I'm just like, this is not good. It goes down the whole line and I can still picture I was about here. And it goes down the whole line and it gets to me and, you know, I just squeak out my best effort. And on my way back, my roommate and best friend, you know what he says to me? He's like, yeah, that was pretty funny. Were you joking around? I'm like, no. (laughs) So how do you think I feel like when you get a position where you're supposed to sing out loud or I go to visit churches and they're like, yeah, we can't the Psalms. And I think that's why it's called canting because I can't and we're not going to do that. So you won't have to worry about that anytime soon. So how much confidence do I have if that's the – but some of you, though, can sing, right? So if I said, hey, let's line you up and you have to sing a few bars from this song, you would have no problem. Have you seen that YouTube video yet? That was on Jay Leno, the gas station. I should have showed it. It's YouTube, what would it be called? Um, gas station karaoke, I think it's called. The guy in the middle of the Costco gas station just starts singing like acapella, beautiful Bon Jovi, if, that's, if you can even say that sentence. Beautiful von Jovi. But it was incredible. And his wife comes out of the car. She sings too. He's singing back up while he's filling up. It was unbelievable. Some of you would have no problem doing that. But maybe that same person, if we said, okay, uh, grab a baseball and you got to hit it, try and hit that garbage can in three tries, you'd be like, uh, this is going to be awkward. And But other people, it's fine, right? So confidence is weird. Like you have the, some confidence in some things, some confidence in another. So as a Christian, when you read passages that say, uh, my hope is in the Lord, or the Lord is my rock, or you see David line up with a slingshot ready to fight a nine-foot guy, you're like, where does he get that confidence? Where does Daniel get the confidence to go into the lion's den? Or, well, he had to. But where does the, the fiery furnace? They weren't worried at all. He says, okay, if you bow down to these idols, you're dead. They're like, that's fine. Where do you get kind of confidence like that? So my real question would be this. This is a long question. Does someone who is Christian have such confidence in the Lord that they feel like they can accomplish and succeed at anything. So this is what you have to ask yourself. Am I different as a Christian that I should feel because the Lord is with me, because the Lord has set plans for me, because the Lord has said, you know what, your sins have separated from you, but I love you so much I'm going to come to this earth and make it so you can live with me. I'm going to put my son on the cross. That's how much skin I have in this game. Does that make you so you feel like I can succeed at anything? Should you feel that way? that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, A few things that are just basic, I'm going to bore you a little bit, I shouldn't say that out loud, but um, with basic confidence things, and then at the end say, is it the same for Christians? So the basic level of confidence, what do you need? We talked about it with the kids. I'll give the answer away eventually. Knowledge, you need knowledge. Have you ever taken a test where you knew what was coming and you felt pretty good about it? Have you ever shown up for French class or something and you are like, there's a test today? and you flip it over, how well do you feel you're going to do on that test? This is basic stuff. So if you don't have basic knowledge of something, it does not matter how much you practice, it does not matter how much skills you have, it is not going to be successful, and you're not going to feel like you have confidence. I'll give you an example. Michael Jordan, would we say he's a pretty natural basketball player? I mean, I think we could. But what happens if he didn't know you were supposed to put it in the bucket? He just thought you were supposed to hit the backboard. So with all his natural ability, and he could have practiced a gazillion hours or something like that, but then he shows up for game day, and they're like, yeah, you got to put it in the basket. How would he feel at that moment? With all the natural ability, with all the practice, he's not going to be very confident. So knowledge is one of these things that you need. Um, I'll give you another example, not that this is that confusing. Uh, when we got married, and then eventually we're expecting our first child, so we're pretty excited about this, and we thought, what are you supposed to eat So you don't, like, make this child sick inside. So my wife gets this book, which I think is published by the devil. It's called What to Eat When You're Expecting. Has anyone read this book? Oh, my goodness. So we're married. We didn't know what to eat. And this, I think, allowed us to eat, what, six things about? And none of them were any good. So we're going through, I literally threw it away after the first trimester. I said, listen, I am done. This child is going to, I'm going to take my chances. We're going to get rid of this book because we have to eat some real food. And Amy, I think, gained like six pounds the first trimester and like 30, probably the rest of it. But it was worth it. It was worth it. But she had confidence, right? She could read this book and know this is not detrimental to my child. So some of you on a diet or something like that, you can look at fitness, fit day, or you can look at My Fitness Pal or something, and go, "Okay, am I doing the right thing?" I can have confidence that I'm doing the right thing. But eventually, though, no matter how much knowledge you gain, no matter how much you read about something, no matter how much you hear about something, how much confidence are you going to have until you actually do it? Like you read about oil changes, and you're—I remember distinctly the first time I changed my oil, and, and you got to do this stuff in secret because otherwise people laugh at you. But I remember like reading the manual figuring it out, trying to find the oil pan and you got to Google stuff like this and you got to find it, right? But until you do it, how much confidence do you have? And then you do it once, you you do it again, you do it a third time and again and again and again, you get more confidence. How many of you are worried about toweling off in the shower? Like you get done, you're like, hope I can towel off when I get done with this. And how many of you have an anxiety tax when you're in the shower wondering if you're going to be able to towel off properly? Even if you're not cleanly at all, which would be like once a week shower, if you're 50 years old, that's 250 showers. That's a lot. So I am guessing you have such a routine that your brain actually shuts off and you towel off the exact same way you do every single time. This is a guess. If this is creative science, every time you do this, you're wasting brain power. But right that you've done it, you've done it, you've done it. Malcolm Blackwell, or Gladwell, I should say, talked about this. How much do you have to practice something before you're an expert? Do you know the number he gives? How many hours? He stole it for 10,000 hours is the one that he said. So roughly doing something for uh, 20 hours a week for 10 years. And so this is in his book, Outliers. He's like, oh, so, like, why are the Beatles? Did they just, were they really an overnight success? And the answer is no. They practiced and practiced and played almost every night in the clubs, and that's how they got so good. Or he used the example of Bill Gates. You're like, well, he's just a genius. That's what we all like to think, right? He just, he just woke up one day and, and founded this company. He said that's not the case. He was able to get a computer very early on, and they worked crazy hours, and he was ahead of the curve, and he put all these hours in. Uh, Tiger Woods, when did he start playing golf? Like 17? No, he started at like 2, right? Which is a little weird. Uh, but he started at 2, and he put in the hours, so that's why he's so good. Steve Martin, I'll give you another example. Steve Martin, have you read his book, Born Standing Up? Someone just nodded no, so I don't know what Steve says. I think a lot of times he's funny, though. So Maybe he says inappropriate things, but Steve Martin, in his book, Born Standing Up, he said there's this concept that a comedian just wakes up and suddenly he's famous. He said that's not the case. He worked the tour forever and practiced his jokes, and sometimes he failed, and he practiced them again and practiced again until he got to a point where he said the biggest challenge now is he's supposed to always be funny. Like if you're new, you can bomb. He said you can't really do that anymore. So it takes some time. So the very basic thing uh, is experience. This is David talking about trying to seek God's um, knowledge. There's a book also. Has anyone heard of John Ackoff? I think that's how you say his name. This is my favorite subtitle ever. Um, Start is the name of the book, but punch fear in the face. So I thought that's interesting enough. I'm going to read the book, and so far it's been pretty good. But what he does is piggyback off this knowledge from Malcolm Gladwell. And he says, in your life, as he studies people who do amazing things, he says, in their 20s they're learning... And you've got to guess what happens in your 30s. Uh, Your 30s, you're editing, which is kind of like Steve Martin practicing his jokes. And your 40s, you start to be a master at something. 50s, harvesting, because now you're getting benefits for what you've done. And your 60s, you're guiding. So whether you're Christian or not, if you've done something again and again and again, are you going to gain confidence at it? Yeah, it does not matter. So if you have the knowledge and you've practiced, you're going to gain confidence. I'll give you an example in the Bible. Um, This is David as he gets ready to fight Goliath. And uh, most of it seems like a whim when you read it. This is a young man. He just shows up when he's going to deliver food, and then suddenly there's a nine-foot guy, and he's like, I'll take him on. We're not going to, I'll do that. Well, there's a little bit more to it. So Saul, this is king at the time, talks to David. He said, okay, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been fighting for 10,000 hours. Isn't it it's really what he's getting at? He's like, listen, you're a boy. This guy's been doing it a while. And what do you think the Philistine army did when they saw a guy who was probably like six foot four at 8 years old? They're like, let's make him a fighter. You know, I don't think they sent him to be bakery smurf at that point. You know, they're like, this is what we need. We need this guy to be a fighter. So Saul points this out. He said, this guy's been fighting forever. But interestingly, David backs his own resume up. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. That's not a real great resume at this point. But when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. The servant has killed both the lion and a bear. That's pretty good. I think that's pretty good, wouldn't you say? So really he's saying, all right, he obviously has logged some hours, but so have I. So you should have some confidence. So we've got, whether you're Christian or not, if you put in the knowledge and you have the the experience, there's a good chance that you can have some confidence. There's a third aspect, which is a little more depressing. Ability. What I'm talking about is God-given talent if you're trying to pursue something you're not good at naturally it's going to be an uphill battle singing for example someone could say well why don't you just keep going and get lessons and stuff I actually did and so imagine I'll tell you awkward moment number two for my singing career is I took singing lessons and how many people do you think get singing lessons let me ask this what demo do you think gets singing lessons girls that have seen a lot of Disney so they're like 4th grade to 8th grade so it's me this is, this is actually at the recital I'm a grown man, this is in Washington these girls, and all singing Disney hits every single one of them and then me, I stand up there and I had to sing um, Donnie Osmond's version of uh, what was it called um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat yeah I still made it through but these are awkward things. So what happens if I took lessons all the time? Would I still have confidence as I stand before you? No. No. When Cale sings, I can kind of match him, but if not, I'm in trouble, right? So it does not matter. I do not have an innate ability. And this is what it talks about in Scripture that we should recognize. There's different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but the same God works them all in all men. Each one of you has given, God has given special abilities. Each one of you, God has given you individual skills. And as you look and say, I wish I had more confidence when I am presenting. I wish I had more confidence as a parent. I wish I had more as a spouse. I wish I had more as a leader at my work. I wish I had more in whatever it is. If this doesn't line up with the, the given skills that God has given you, You can get reasonably proficient at it, but you're never going to be a point where you're completely confident about it, no matter how much you practice and no matter how much you know about it. So what's my advice to you? Pick things that you're good at. Otherwise, you're going to be pretty sad. If you're not a mechanic and you say, I really want to be a mechanic, go ahead, you know. But I pray you have friends that are willing to say, like, I don't think this is your skills. Which gets to number three. Uh, Gets to number four. We've covered knowledge, we've covered experience, we've covered uh, ability or God-given talent. The fourth one is support, and I think this is the weirdest one in a way. If you have knowledge and experience and ability, why would it matter if people want you to succeed? Why, is, why would it matter? Does that seem strange? Because it's really kind of disconnected, isn't it? Like this isn't stuff you work on. You go to an audience that really wants you to do well or you go to an audience, a church like right now of people like this, this would be very difficult. My wife is like that. That's <laughs> um, it's a whole different experience. So why does that matter? What we're really talking about is this, support is really an umbrella thing, at least from my perspective. At some point, someone said, you should really pursue this and it's okay if you pursue this, Right? As you experience and you're blogging your 10,000 hours, someone has to support you in that endeavor. Otherwise, you're going to start to wonder, is this a good move or not? What happens as you pick a career and you said, Mom, Dad, this is what I want to do. I want to be a professional golfer who sings while he hits. I would hope my parents would love me enough to say, "Eh, eh, I think there's other things you can do. And even growing up, I'm this little kid who likes to wear ties. I had teachers that said, you know what, you should think about being a pastor. So what does that do in the back of your head when you start to say, maybe I should be a pastor? You start to say, maybe I'm going down the right path. So if you're a teenager and you're trying to decide what you should do with your life and you have people who actually care about you and are saying, I'd maybe rethink that, you're about to waste 10,000 hours or you can have this support. And what I mean by uh, support also an ability is people who recognize. We often um, have trouble recognizing our failings. We talked about that last week. But we also often um, have difficulty recognizing our greatest gifts. So ask someone that actually cares about you and say, what do you think I'd be good at? What do you think I should be doing? And I think they can help you. So that's what we mean by support. You see this in the sports world with, um, with coaches. Does anyone recognize this quote? Practice does not make perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect. Does anyone know who said that? That's an annoying perfectionist who said that, actually. No, it's Vince Lombardi. (laughs) what, What I mean by that is, do you think his players, and this is all conjecture to some degree, do you think his players ever went into a game wondering if they were prepared for that game? If they had a good game plan? or because they practiced everything to a T, because they laid it all out, I think they had utter confidence that what they were doing is gonna look it up. But that doesn't mean you never make mistakes. So my daughters uh, and my son, I taught them how to ski last year and we've been skiing again. And we kinda, we go in greens and then we hit a couple blues and then once in a while, maybe by accident, we hit blacks by accident. We're like, hey, we should just try this one out, right? Do I expect my kids to be perfect? No. If they go at the end of the day and said, hey, dad, we skied by ourselves and I never fell, I'd be like, that's awesome. But at the same time, I'm kind of disappointed because what is happening if someone never really challenges and never falls? They're not really stretching. So here's an example. I like John Wooden's quote better If you're not making mistakes, then you're not doing anything. I'm positive that a doer makes mistakes. My kids know that if they go and try something and they wipe out, that's okay. And that's what we mean by support. Are you in an environment, if you want confidence to know, um, are you at an employee, are you at a job where you can make mistakes and your employer is saying, hey, that's okay, let's learn from these mistakes and move on? If not, if you know you have to be perfect every single time, you're going to live in paranoia. And you're never going to be comfortable. And what you do is your skill set will actually shrink and shrink because you're only going to do the things you're positive you can get off. So the only thing you'll end up doing is toweling off in the morning, because you're like, this one I can do. But other than that, you're going to live in paranoia. So, we've gotten this far. Did we even answer the question, does someone who is Christian have such confidence in the Lord that they feel they can accomplish and succeed at anything? Anyone can have confidence, and this is where the real difference is. Anyone, Christian or not Christian, can have confidence when you succeed. When things are going well, when you're making your shot, when you feel like your kids are respecting you, when you feel like your spouse loves you, when you feel like your employer says, hey, another great quarter, awesome. What happens, though, when things tank? And if your only trust and your only confidence is your ability and this end human result, your life's going to go like this. Up and down and up and down and up and down and you're going to have low points and wonder if you're any good at all and then you're going to overestimate how good you are and you're gonna, it's just going to go up and down. What is the difference for a Christian? Do you think David succeeded in all things? He had trust in the Lord and he fe- defeats Goliath. But how was his parenting? Has anyone ever heard of Absalom? This is the guy who slept with one of his concubines and this is also the guy who rebelled and tried to get the whole nation to rebel against his dad. How do you think that went at night? So as a Christian, nothing is going to go perfect. Things are going to go down. But as a Christian, you can go, what kind of God do I have? Where is my confidence? Is it only in my abilities? Or can I say, God, I have worked and done my best and I lay it in your lap now? As a Christian, you can say, God says to you, I know your plans for you. I have laid them out. When you want strength, God says in Isaiah, I will give you the strength. When you feel alone, God says, I will always be with you. And God says, you want to know what can separate you from my love? Nothing because I've spread my arms out to take care of your greatest need. So as you face whatever challenge you're going to face, you do need knowledge, you do need experience, you do need ability, you do need support around you, but ultimately you have the greatest God who says, even if it fails utterly, I'm working this out to your eternal good. Amen.